On this episode of Atomic Moms, we talk to my bestie and author of the Hollywood Assistance Handbook, Hillary Stam. She's here to talk about her eight-year IVF journey. And we also talk about the Montessori method. Uh, guys, get on Facebook, get on Twitter, Instagram. Please show us some love with comments, ask us some questions, and get ready for this episode of Atomic, Atomic Moms. Moms. It's Ellie and Bianca with Atomic Moms. Um, just so you guys know, we're always out of breath because we are always jamming to that stupid, stupid song. I mean, we're such spazzes. <laughs> oh, my God. Poor, poor Maria sits here. And well, I, I wonder if she was watching us out of the corner of her eye. She just looks away because it's too weird. It's just so embarrassing for her. And we always make her play the song. <laughs> She's like, I know. We have to get into it. We're actors. This is like part of our method. Oh, my God. Uh, it's good to see you. It's good to see you too. Um, I want to really quickly talk about how excited I am about our guest today. Yes. She's my dear friend. I would say my best friend. Um, Whoa. Now someone, some other listener out there who thinks she's your best friend <laughs> is going to be really uncomfortable. Big Bertha on but Twitter. But she, she had your, she hosted your baby shower. She hosted my baby shower. Yes. And um, I'm, gosh, how long have we been friends? We've been friends since like 2008, I think. Um, so she's not my, she's not my oldest friend, but we've been through the most together and she, um, she's an author. She wrote the Hollywood assistance handbook with, um, a good friend of hers. She was, uh, she was a, uh, she was the right hand woman for one of this industry's biggest names. I'm not going to say, but so she has a lot of insight. She has a lot of insight into the that industry. That takes a super type A personality to be able to. She is super type A. I actually did not like her when we first met. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I, she, I, I, she knows this, so I'm not, I'm not revealing anything that. Oh, that's uh, too bad. Why don't we share something that she doesn't know? <laughs> <laughs> well, what she did. She's like? so, she's so type A, and she, uh, like, I, she, we always laugh because, like, I wouldn't share anything with her. Like, I wouldn't share popcorn at movies or whatever, and she was, like, didn't understand it. Wait, that so, sounds like that's a more of a type A person. Personality type to not share. I might be like a, I might be like a uh, subconscious type A personality. I think a little bit. Why do you not want to share? Is that about germs or is it, it wasn't about germs? Then I don't know. I, I felt like Hillary was like Hillary knew from the get go that we needed to be really good friends, and I think I was resisting it. Okay, so that's why you didn't want to share. The I think like maybe it was just meaning that like I don't share with I only share with my closest people. I, I also was crazy at that time. So yeah. my one of my best friends gets popcorn every time we go to the theater, and she gets an extra large, right? And she spends like $30 on this popcorn. And then she's always like, we're going to, because we're going to share. I know better. I know not to get popcorn because I'll eat the whole damn thing. So she gets the popcorn. She has like three bites and then I eat the rest of the tub. And so I know she's getting it and she's sharing to sabotage. So maybe you're actually being a good friend because you don't want to sabotage your I friends. am. You are damn right. I don't am being share. Good don't sabotage. Don't share. Don't sabotage. Um, anyway, she, I wanted her to come on the show because she's had. <laughs> I feel like everything I share, you could just be like, anyway. <laughs> Back on topic. Oh, you're the life and breath of this show. Oh, like. God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, she uh, she has had a really uh, – she has three kids. She has a um, a three-year-old girl and a and, and 14-month-old twin boys. Um, and she has had a crazy journey with IVF. And so she's going to come on and talk about that, which I think is going to be um, – I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. It'll, it'll be good. Good for listeners who are worried about that kind of thing or are currently going through that kind of thing. But also she just, I think her her views on marriage and having kids, she's always kind of my go-to, um, you know, when I, I need somebody who I know has a solid outlook on those yeah. things. She has so much wisdom. She has a lot of wisdom. I kind of want her to be my mentor, even though we're peers. <laughs> because she seems to know, when I've had a chance to speak with her, she seems to really have... Um, a good grasp of the fact that she's super type A yeah. and that she wants things the way she wants them, but also that you have to let go and that you don't always get what you want yeah. and how to sort of, she's found a good balance. Yeah, she's, oh, she's been through a tremendous amount of loss. Um, lost both her parents within 15 months of each other to cancer. And uh, so I just, I thought that she has a lot of wisdom to share. And so I'm really excited for her to come on. And plus she's my best buddy. Um, so I'm excited about that. Okay. 
Um, how is dear Sabrina doing? Sabrina, who is 15 months, is doing so well. The thing is, so, oh God, I probably shouldn't share this. My commercial agency. She says as she shares. As I share. <laughs> um, <laughs> my comfort, I've decided that whenever I feel like I shouldn't share something, that's probably the good stuff and I should share it. And then just have the shame spiral later. So my commercial agency, um, they got an audition for me and for my daughter. And um, oh. it was my first audition back. So uh, I said, yes, of course we'll go. And the audition was for it was, I think it was like Pampers or something like that. And your child was supposed to be learning how to walk. And when and when the baby falls down, you pick her up and go like, it's okay. Like it's no big deal that the baby falls. So Sabrina has been falling on her ass nonstop with walking like every five seconds because she's always carrying 10 things at once and then she falls on her ass. And then I never make a thing of it because I don't want her to be fearful. Okay. So it seemed like the perfect audition. So the first time in her life, that she walks all the way across the room and she didn't fall once. And so then I'm wondering, like, <laughs> do I need to trip her? Like, what do I do? So this, this is going to work out. So we, let's just say we didn't get the call back only because um, I'm a good mother and I never let her do this anyway. Just kidding. Um, because she, she was such a good walker all of a sudden. So here's the thing. Now that she's not falling and she has her hands free, she wants to get into everything. And I think she's getting bored so much more easily. I think something happens at 15 months where there's a big shift. And it's no longer about just, like, entertaining her because she gets bored. She wants to help. And so I was talking to a girlfriend about this who... Wait, really quick. I just yes. want to ask you. I'm sorry to interrupt your flow, but are you saying at 15 months or when where she is in her walking world? I think I think where she is in her walking world. But then the weird thing was, I, so I told a girlfriend um, who is pregnant, and she's like on this Montessori bandwagon. Okay, mm-hmm. and I didn't know anything about Montessori except that like at the preschool level, they've got little trays where they do activities all day, and it seems pretty quiet. Um, and so. I, she sent me this book about Montessori, and it's weird because they say in the book at 15 months is when you can start giving them these tasks. So so I don't know if it's just because Sabrina now has her hands free and she's not falling every two seconds or if it's because there's a brain change that happens around 15 months. But it was, it was really interesting to read about this, and there was a, a big change that happened in our house because with Montessori, it, it feels kind of like you're raising a child like Little House on the Prairie style. Um, because, I'm going to get in so much trouble. Because a lot of it is like about, you know, uh, they're supposed to sweep up after themselves and like wipe down their tables. And they're supposed to sit at tables, not in a high chair. And it's actually a lot about, um, you know, giving them a sense of agency. Right. And so we took Sabrina out of the high chair because she was just yelling at me in her high chair a lot. Like she'd want whatever she wanted. And she's kind of, she was like the queen of hearts in Alice in Wonderland. She's just like screaming at me. So we put her down at this little table. And all of a sudden, because she was sitting in her chair, um, she was more engaged. She was down on a lower level. So she wasn't just like throwing food on the floor to see how far it would drop. Right. And it was like she became this little adult and and I asked her to go get her bib and she went to the cabinet and she got her bib and then she sat down and then she she because I was respecting her as you know a human rather than just as a baby right. she took that on and became um, so much easier to work with and then I gave her these little tasks um, that were super fun. Like I just got a spaghetti, like a strainer. And then, you know, a lot of people do, um, what are those like fuzzy wire things that you stick in the strainer? Pipe cleaners. Pipe cleaners, right. So I didn't have that and I didn't want to go to the dollar store. So I got uh, raw spaghetti. And I was like, Sabrina, we're going to sit down and we're going to do this together. And she stuck raw spaghetti, like hard spaghetti, through the little strainer holes. And she was there for 15 minutes. And she was so focused. Oh, my God. And it was so wonderful. And then later she was helping me wipe something else down. Like they want to be little helpers. They want to be... They want to contribute to the family. And that was what was so cool. And then in this book, so it's called Understanding the Human Being, The Importance of the First Three Years of Life. Um, This one cool thing was, um, so here's a little quote. Maria Montessori taught us that the child's cry means, help me to do it myself. 
And that seems to be so true with Sabrina. She's so independent. And if and so help me to do it by myself just really worked for us. And so now like I'll have her pick out what she wants to wear and I'll give her two options. Because if I just say like you're going to put this on, she'll throw a fit. Right. But if I say Sabrina, would you like to wear this or this? She'll pick it out and and she's so much more receptive. That is really fascinating and very helpful. I think I I was help uh, having Magnolia pick things when she was in my womb. <laughs> we I mean, I know it's silly, but like we would say um do you when we were picking out like her stroller and stuff, do you want the blue one or do you want the red one? Kick if you want the blue one and then there'd be no kicks. Kick if you want the red one and then there'd be kicks. It was and by the that's way, amazing. every time there was one that she, that she kicked really? on and one that she didn't. So that's who crazy. Knows? I yeah. should have asked her life questions. Like <laughs> kick if Ellie should pursue this. Yeah. Um that's really sweet to also like to engage Miss Montessori would have really dug that. Yeah. Because uh, this book also talks a lot about when you're pregnant, sort of like what your intention is with your baby and having a relationship with your child while you're pregnant. Now, one quick thing that I haven't figured out, and maybe someone on Facebook, if they get riled up enough, they can explain it to me better. They don't believe in cribs. Okay. You put like a mat on the floor. Now, Sabrina loves our dog bed, so (laughs) she would have been down for that. The problem is um, how on earth do you have a baby in a, on a little like mattress pad on the floor where the kid just stays there all night and doesn't just end up like banging on the door at 15 yeah, months? Or, like I like that the crib is a cage. Like that right. is that is useful and actually right. helpful and safe. And they also don't believe in like um, like no talking animal movies or you know they don't they they're not into they say that these early years. <laughs> because children don't really have a sense of reality anyway, yeah. not to um, not to confuse them with, you know, cartoons where people are jumping out of buildings and stuff. Huh. It- well, you know, I looked up over um, Christmas because uh, I was just curious. I mean, we didn't even buy Christmas presents for Magnolia. <laughs> but, like, she's not going to know. We were in a foreign I mean, we were in a foreign country. We were in Puerto Rico. But I'm going to tell her. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. When she's old. Your parents bought you nothing for Christmas. Um, she got presents from family members. I love um, you're now getting defensive. I am a little like, bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, not really. Um, but I but I was curious because I started thinking about it. If if it's because my husband and I were talking about Santa Claus and when we remembered uh, that we were found out that Santa Claus la, 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 was real. Was real. Because, you know, a lot of listeners maybe listen in the car. With, I have with kids in you're the crazy. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Don't ruin it for me, okay? It's just a bummer. Okay, so you were discussing, so, so was discussing reality. That, yeah, reality. The real world, Ellie. Uh, and um, and I was just wondering if that's bad. Is it bad to, is it a lie? Is it a lie to say that and then they figure it out? I mean, I don't know. I, I just was that's wondering. That's a good question. What did Mike say? Um, well, I didn't ask Mike first. I, <laughs> I was by myself wondering about it at first. Okay. And I, um, I looked up online and I found a couple articles about it. And actually yeah. one article that I agreed with myself personally said that it's fine because it's very important to foster, to foster a world of fantasy for children because children live in fantasy. They live in their pretend invisible friends and, um, you know, everything a, a friend of mine had, I remember I visited their house and their uh, two-year-old kid had the whole ritual when he would go down the stairs that involves like turning on a fake faucet and he would wash his hands under that out of the wall and then he would do something else at the top of the stairs and it was like this whole thing as he went wow. down. It was really cool. Um, and so apparently it's it helps to, to breathe life into that creative um, right. mind frame for them. Well, that's what I was thinking Yeah. Um, with that Montessori thing. Like, wait, no, but half the fun of being a kid is like the talking animal books and, you know, creating that sense of wonder. Yeah. And, um, but I guess, you know, they think, I, I'm sure many creative people have come from Montessori and, and that's only in the early years and, but there's lots of music and stuff like that. And, uh, there, well, w- there was a Christmas special playing that we're probably the only people who watched. It was like through the public access channel or something like that. And, um, it was an LA Christmas thing and they had all these, kids singing in court like choruses from around town singing and Sabrina was obsessed with it and I was like oh well maybe it doesn't have to be Barney right like there are other yeah I definitely think that that people should go outside the box of finding interesting things for their kids to watch and listen to it doesn't always just have to be the baby Einstein or the you know Disney movies or whatever um but I am all in favor of 
making your child your little uh, assistant. Personal slave. Yeah, yes. exactly. And um, and giving them a little job. Because, you know, look, we already could use some extra hands around our house. Yeah. And so they say at 15 months they can start folding little things. And we haven't started laundry yet together. But um, it's, it's fun because she will, like, set her little table. And, yeah, it takes forever. And that's the other thing they mention in the book is, like, you know, it's going to take a long time. Yeah. Um, but they're but they're active and and she's so quiet and so focused, focused and meditative and then when I'm sitting there watching her do it it calms me down too because we're so present in the activity yeah well look how beautiful that is so Love beautiful um, well speaking of assistance should we bring on our our author the Hollywood assistance handbook Excellent. by the way I heard that book if anyone out there is, is interested in getting it um, it's on it's, Amazon it's on Amazon, and it's it's great for anything in life. It's not just Hollywood assistance. I think yeah. it's a it's a good life piece. So. I need to be a better assistant for myself. Do you ever think about that? I don't even know what that means. Okay, here's what it means. It means like I will be organizing my closet, and I'll yeah. do a half ass job, and I'll think, God, if I were my personal assistant, I would fire my ass. <laughs> no, you don't. That doesn't. Uh, no, seriously, I know at least one person listening <laughs> understands me. That one person, will you please reach out to me on Facebook? <laughs> because I'm feeling very alone right now oh with God, the way you're looking Ellie. at me. Yeah. No, some I, people listen, are not. Pe- yeah. Uh, yeah, I hear you. You can be. A, I would be a very good assistant to someone else, and I'm not necessarily always a great assistant to me. Like I'm a great assistant to my daughter. I will cook well, her whatever, you, you and then I make a means. crappy peanut butter sandwich for myself and shove it in my face in the pantry so she doesn't see me not eating at the table. I don't think that that has anything to do with you being an assistant to yourself. I think that just means that you need to care about yourself more than you care about others. Like you don't you don't put as much effort into you as you do into everything for everybody else. But that's a whole nother podcast. No, that's good. Let's, I'll put effort in myself so that people other people yeah, no. We're going to oh my god, therapy session. Sign me up. We're going to take a break and come back with Hillary Guys, Stan. It's going to be so good. Don't go away. All right, we're back, everyone, with a, an awesome guest. I'm very excited about this guest. She's a dear friend of mine. <laughs> but she is also an author of the Hollywood Assistance Handbook, 86 Rules for Aspiring Power Players. And she has a new book on the way, which I don't even know what this this book is really. Do we have a title? Do we know? We have a working title. We have a working title. It's Hillary Stam, everybody. Hi. Welcome, Hillary Stam, to Atomic Moms. Um, you have a working title. Uh, the working title, I'll tell the quick story behind it. Um, when my mother was, she's now passed, but when she was dying of cancer, she was at a book club with women, her best friends, and everyone came into the room and they were having margaritas. And someone said, let's all write down what our autobiography would be if we had an autobiography. And at this point, she was pretty ill. And everyone put theirs in a little uh, basket and then you had to read them at the end. And it always chokes me up to tell it, but she pulled hers out, and she was gone probably three months after that. And hers was, call me lucky, because she said, I have three beautiful kids and an amazing family, and everything else is icing. And so it was very easy when I started writing my book about mommyhood, lack thereof for me, because I couldn't get pregnant for eight years, and um, my parents, and lucky call me lucky so that's the working title but oh, as it. we know when you take your book to the publishers they have their own choices but that's okay <laughs> um i love that i will do, i'm going to give a brief just a brief kind of summary of i really wanted to have hillary on the show um because of her her struggles to get pregnant and her insane ivf journey um hillary and i became friends in my previous life <laughs> My real previous life, not the not the um, alternate reality one. Um, when I was first married, my first marriage, uh, I lived in Manhattan Beach, and I started doing Pilates, and we got a little crew of women together that ended up kind of going through this int- crazy time period where all of this crap happened. And one was um, my divorce. Uh, one was M- Hillary lost both her parents in the span of 15 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also revealed to me at some point after your mom passed was it was it, after she passed that you were that you had been secretly struggling to try to get pregnant 
And I, you know, I thought this is something that is uh, an epic story for our listeners, whether or not people are, you know, thinking to get pregnant or um, have already gotten pregnant and haven't found that they have troubles to get pregnant. Because I think one of the big things that happens when you decide to become a parent is that you, there there is the admission of a loss of control you are no longer in control <laughs> and i think that this was a huge lesson that both hillary and i went through with the loss of our parents i lost my father um when did your when did your Gosh, dad, dad pass away it's been five can you believe it? five so years my, been gone. four years four Gosh. um and so, you know, you you are just such a strong, amazing woman, and I just feel so blessed Thanks. to have you as my friend. And I also think that I, I really wanted to have you here to talk about, you know, what you've been through so that people can see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and and to share just, you know, the, the insights that you picked up along the way. Um, so you want to just start at maybe – I know it's a kind of a crazy thing to say, like, let's no, tell, tell let's the, the short in. version of the story. But, yeah, let's talk about um, where – I mean, where, the infertility itself, I'm always – to anyone out there who's dealing with any piece of the many, many bazillion pieces that come into infertility, I'm like – Call me, email me. My husband's like, if you only just had a dollar for every informational interview you did on infertility, because there's still such this taboo thing about it. Um, if you can't get pregnant or you can't get pregnant the second time, I've seen that a lot. A lot of friends who have a child and they're having a lot of secondary infertility and they're not sure why. And the interesting piece about infertility in general is we know so much and yet we know so little. We understand all these things we can do to help women get pregnant, but we don't really know why. Like, oh, you're too stressed. Maybe have a little more wine. Maybe do a little more yoga. Maybe if you just, you know, cut out carbs in your diet. I feel like I tried like every different piece of all of those things. And at the end of the day, granted, I was going through a lot of stress in my life when I couldn't get pregnant. But at the end of the day, once I'd done many, many cycles of IVF and I finally had a child, they said, oh, you have this weird like cellulose around your eggs. And I don't think an egg could ever uh, beat through that on its own. And uh, there's nothing even, there was no like medical name for it, they told me. Was that sort of a relief <laughs> almost? In a was, way. That it wasn't sort of all this voodoo of like, what do I, what could I change? Like this oh idea my, that like it, it couldn't have changed. Oh my God. Yes, Ellie, because I felt like just tell me what's wrong and I'll fix it. That's kind of how I approach everything in life. Like give me the goal and I'm going right. to, I'm going to get to it. And I couldn't fix that. Just like I couldn't fix my parents dying of cancer, I, no matter how hard I tried. And so I feel like the problem with infertility, it's a sense of helplessness. And then there's this like amazing uh, equation. I always tell people there's like some sort of, some sort of, I don't even know what you'd call it. The more infertile you are, the more babies you will see with strollers, regardless of where you are. You can be in Paris, you can be at the beach in LA. I'm like, oh my God, everyone has a child but me. And then you get and then into that. they're all complaining that. about that. Yes, of course. Yeah. And then so you then get into this brutal. negative cycle. So it's how do you break out of it? How do you figure out, wait, I'm going to have a child somehow, some way, because there's so many ways, you know, regardless of if I give birth to it or not. And finally, when that when I got to that point where I believe, yeah, it was my fourth cycle. Um, but at this point, I'd done everything under the moon. I'd had, in, you know, IUIs. I'd gone to crazy foot doctors um, who, like, pushed certain points of reflexology. And when no one could tell me what was wrong and I just said, okay, as B always likes to say, it will be what it will be. Uh, it finally worked. And we joked that my daughter, who's now three, is such a spitfire. Um, I think it's like she's the one who got through because she's just a little <laughs> devil, a little diva. I love her, but <laughs> she does not stop. Last night at 930, I went down. She didn't even nap yesterday. I said, what are you doing, Elle? And she's like, I need to change Elbel's outfit, and I can't find the sweater or the pants that go together. <laughs> and we're like, it's 9.30, child, just sleep. She's like, not till we get her dressed. <laughs> so be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yes. And then what about with um, men versus women? Like I have a girlfriend who is going through this now, and they finally found out that it's her husband who has the issue. And, like, there's been all this pressure on her for years that it's like it was her. I think that's, it's so funny because I remember 
thinking for the first month or first that's a big part of uh my book because the first year i would say i'm sure it's you it's not me i go to yoga i eat right my cycle's great it's not me and then we're sitting in that beverly hills clinic which i've always told my old writing partner who i wrote my book with who's now a tv writer i said you should do a show just the fertility clinic because right there Oh my god! Oh my god! And we're sitting in there, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's you. Like when the guy has to go like into the little room and do his thing, and it's no fun, and you know the VCR doesn't work, and you'd think they'd upgrade from the VCR by now. (laughs) But but anyway, just like give them an iPad, right? Something it's for. You'd think so. Anyway, they come out and 1980s porn. Of course, (laughs) it wasn't his problem, of course. And I thought what was interesting was that. Um, I finally learned, like, oh, if it's a guy problem, it's almost better because there's so many things they can do now. They can extract, like, one sperm and get you pregnant. It's amazing. But the actual woman reproductive system, there's so many things that can go wrong. And at the end of the day, it has to go back into you if you do, like, in, you know, in vitro cycle. So I always have been told, like, that's a good problem, air quotes, to have (laughs) if you're going to have one. Um, But that segues into none of it is fun on a marriage. And I definitely think anyone who tries to get pregnant who um, at first, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. We're going to have sex all the time. To, I need you to have, oh, you just got home, you had a hard day? Now, right now. Mm-hmm. That part it's gets a, hard. It's a big deal. I mean, you know, yeah. it was interesting. The dichotomy between Hillary and I as our pregnancies went. And I often wondered that. I'm going to ask you this question, put you on the spot on the air. Did it make you angry how quickly I got pregnant? Oh, no. I was so happy. I mean, honestly, I... But but did you feel that at all in the course of you trying to get pregnant? I think because now, you know, I've been through so much that I I have that thing in my life where if I love you, like, all I want is goodness for you. And so when that happened for you, I was so excited. But then, of course, I turned to Jay and was like, he got pregnant. I said, she tried one month. He's like, of course. And we we're both like, namaste. <laughs> <laughs> but look at all the Ayurvedic work you've done. Look at how well you take care of yourself. I think those things can play a role. But then, of course, you got to laugh about, you know, there's more unplanned pregnancies than there are planned. And Is that true? Yeah, 21-year-olds, you know, yeah. were our fertility is declining at 27. Yeah. And you think about, I mean, not that we're all old, but we are older. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's a big, I think that's a big piece of it. You I know? was reading an article on one of the 18 million flights I was on over the last <laughs> two weeks. Um, I, I was reading an article about um, Mike's really gotten into some he's always been into health and, and fitness but he's really uh, taken it to a new level and he's got all these crazy books he's reading and there's an article about soy oh interesting and about how soy is in everything we and eat estrogen and yeah. that they think that there has to be some correlation to the um, you know dropping fertility race um, because because it's in any processed food yeah. um, and, and the article was saying you know if you eat tofu or you eat you know the, you're, you're vegan that you're that's fine if you're you know really healthy in, the, in those little doses but that everything we eat nowadays from the supermarket has it in it that's crazy um, I want to read that yeah, I'll send it over yeah. to you we'll um, on Facebook too yeah so you now have a um a three-year-old lovely daughter, Elle. Lovely little and, daughter. And twin boys, I Walt do. and Will, who are now... Yeah, 14 months. 14 months. Wow. So now my plate is full, which all of you listeners out there, when you're like, I'm never going to have children, and you're having your bucket of M&Ms and wine because I was there. Believe me, you can be up at 3 in the morning being like, oh my gosh, I haven't showered in 36 hours. I have so many children. What am I doing? And you, and you did... It was the fourth... IVF try, correct? Right. So with Elle, I finally got uh, pregnant off of to get the, uh, frozen. So she was actually frozen. And, um, you know, the vitrification process, as they call it now, is very, very successful. If you have good eggs and they're frozen, they can thaw them. And they think that's better, actually, for the woman because when you go and do all this IVF, you ramp up your body on hormones, and then they shoot them back into you three or five days later, and your body's not in a good place. And yeah. that never worked for me. And then... Uh, I had these eggs uh, that were sitting on ice, as we shall say, and uh, they put uh, two in, and of course she survived. 
And from that same batch, uh, 20 months later, I put two more in, and both the, the twins, the boys came. So it's funny because theoretically they're yeah, all the twins same, because yeah. they were all from the yeah, same, same batch. which is That's wild. Amazing. It's just kind of wild because if you saw a photo of my three kids, my daughter and one of the twins look just alike. That's and, amazing. of course, she prefers him. She's like, <laughs> oh, who's sitting next to me in the car? No, move, Walty. I need to sit oh, next to Will. Or odd man out. But he's doing fine because he's super cute and he's he's fine. But it is a little disturbing. Interesting. <laughs> of course, we love the one that looks like us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Even, um, that's why Sabrina prefers her babysitters to look just like me. Isn't that funny? <laughs> um, do you? What was it like when you when you got pregnant? The pressure. I mean, did you? Was there nine months of fear? Or were you? Like, oh, oh, it I'm was. Excited, I will or? say, yeah, it was such elation. I a big line for me in my life. Someone told me after I lost my dad and I didn't have parents and I didn't have children. And I thought, well, this is not how I thought it was all going to go. And uh, she said, don't, whatever happens in your life when you have all these moments that were amazing, instead of sitting there being sad about what you don't have, don't lose the lesson. And I promised myself, of course, uh, my dad died on December 14th. On December 17th, I was back in the clinic, and I remember oh. sitting there just shaking, and Bianca told me not to go. My husband told me not to go, but I said, obviously, was not in a good place. I said, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to have a baby. Of course, I didn't get pregnant that time, but once I did, I remember, don't lose the lesson, and so to answer your question, when I finally had her and I did not have easy pregnancies, I, I said, I'm going to never lose the lesson of how much I wanted these children, and I think my husband, it's one thing that we've been really good at. We... It's hard having three under two or two under two as we did. And yet we just say, like, you know, laughter is the best medicine. When it's hard, it's hard. But don't lose the lesson that we our greatest fear was we weren't going to be parents. And now we have them. And everything else is, you know, icing. So, And I have to say, I mean, you guys, for me, have always been role models in terms of marriage because they have they have they have such a a lovely flow and they just respect each other and I remember one of the first things that um, Hillary passed on to me when she found out that I was pregnant was um, it's so important to to not browbeat your husband that that for her it was you know we're partners in crime and we're we're doing this together and so many women get you know down on their husbands for not doing this or not doing that and you guys I, I don't know the balance is remarkable um is you know what do you have any kind of tips or things that you guys share with each other when the going gets tough especially with having three that are just under three uh well the first thing because jay will probably listen to this and he'll be like um i do think you kind of bitched at me yesterday so he <laughs> First, I will put it, CJ, now it's out there in Disclaimer. the ether. Um, he's amazing as far as, uh, I read this thing on Facebook the other day, hey mama's out there, does anyone else get pissed when your husband watches the kids and he says, oh, I have to babysit? And I was like, whoa. And I told Jay that and he just, you know, because he he's a man, like he will change literally seven diapers before 7 a.m. and not bitch about it. And I know I'm I'm blessed that I've got that like partner in crime as far as how much he has to do or does and doesn't bitch about it. On the other hand, we kind of, we have, we don't, we didn't have the luxury once we had three. It, it had to be kind of, even though we ha- we do have help, it, we had to kind of both be in it to win it, as we say. Um, the one thing we like to do, which a lot of my good friends know about, is we we have this system called, I, I think we developed it from when my brother was little. Um, my husband and I have been together since high or college, excuse me, so when I was 20. Oh. And my brother is was nine when Jason met him. My brother's now graduating from medical school. So he's been in our lives a long time. And when we would have difficult times, he would notice that we'd call call each other out on it and say that was tone. And we have this system of tone points. And it sounds really ridiculous, <laughs> but if you are... If you are snotty towards the other, we call each other out on it. We step back, and then we do check-ins. And so so we'll be, how do you say it? How do so you like, say it? Like, if literally is like, are you going to take the garbage out? Because it's kind of overflowing, you know, tone hill. And then, like, I'll recognize that I've kind of been a little bit snippy. And I'll be honest, oftentimes it's me who's the snippy one. Um, and you know how it is. We hold things in, and then, oh, my gosh, you know, I feel like I've changed 17 diapers. Well, so have I. We try to do the kind of, like, the get real moments where we actually step out of whatever we're doing and talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so we'll do, like, literally check in. I know it sounds cheesy, but 
you know, if you actually do that and say, check in, kind of pissed off right now, and this is why, it actually, like, full disclosure, full communication all the time makes it so much easier. Because, yeah. and then our big one, I mean, this is kind of the other side of that. I am a planner. All my friends will tell you I've probably almost planned Christmas vacation for next year. But you've got to plan ahead to find time together. You've got to find. I don't care if it's your mother's sister's hairdresser's brother. Someone's got to watch the kids so you have time. Even if it means, and we've had the nights where we go out and we're bleary-eyed, like shoving sushi into our mouths and barely talking, we try to always, once a week, once a week we have date night. That's so amazing. Whatever it is. Because otherwise... I mean, date night, does, and I just want to put this out there because some people think date night is not watching four episodes of Homeland together with no, a glass of wine. Gotta. You can't, you got to, I know, you got to put on the pants, take off the yes. PJs, ladies. <laughs> it's hard. Get out of the home. But get out of the home. We, we do. We, find, we were home for the past two weeks and we don't have family in LA. So we were like really alone this holiday. And um, my husband was working on two jobs every single day and, oh. and our sitter quit. So, oh my God. <laughs> And Sabrina's 15 months, so um, it, so it was about coming up with games with her and activities, oh, and it, it was really fun to be with her. But finally, that Saturday, this a few days ago on Saturday, we had a sitter for the afternoon, and I was like, I need three hours. Like, we need three hours. And so we... Um, of course, I couldn't even, like, fess up to the sitter. I had to be like, we're going to run some errands. And then... <laughs> <laughs> but we instead drove to the beach and it was so great because normally we wouldn't we wouldn't do it. We were really kind of like in our comfort zone. Like it's hard for us to break out of that, especially when he's got a lot of work yeah. piling up. And we went to the beach and it was so cool because it was the one day of the year that I guess they have this like sailboat regatta thing. So oh, there were cool. all these sailboats. Yeah. Um, and we just happened to be there right at that moment. And it was so nice just to be like in the sun and see the sailboats and like hug each other. Like, um, like we so hadn't just nice. spent two weeks kind of home alone in the bunker. You yeah. know, like get yeah. out. Like even if it's so hard, just just do it. That's such you'll good advice. Look back. It was your advice, so oh, thank sweet. you. No, <laughs> I mean changing up the because I I be knows before before I had kids, I was not a routine girl. I'm a travel girl. I don't like you know routine. But man, with kids, kids crave it, and so it's hard because I kind of I did what you just did, you know, be your holiday. I just dragged Elle all across the world for the first year. And then someone wisely told me it might not be possible with three under two. I tried <laughs> to prove them wrong. And uh, B suggested to me to go to this island and we were going to take all three kids. And it was going to be our big triumph um, of making it 12 months. And the boys came down with hand, foot, and mouth. And yeah. Elle got a double ear infection. And so Jay said, maybe it's not wise to go to the Caribbean. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 we're going, we're going. And I have that tendency to kind of plow through and not yeah. listen. And he's like, Hill, I really, I think you need to hear me on this one. So the minute that I stepped back, we ended up not going. We, uh, you know, I used to postponed. Jay, are you listening? Postponed the trip. And, and when... Um, the exact moment when we should have been on that boat transfer after like 15 hours of plane travel, yeah. both twins were screaming um, sick and they'll have the double ear infection right at that moment. And the two of us just started breaking down in laughter. And we will do things like that where we'll try to, if something goes wrong, like find the plan B. I know it sounds, but we've had a lot of those moments, especially with three, where, you know, there was a day that was planned and I overplanned it and there were three birthday parties and, oh, you can't oh do God. all of that. <laughs> like pick pick one activity and, and, and do that together. Yes. Because, um, man. I just had an experience over our, um, our Christmas and New Year vacation. Um, we were on this island that has a bio bay, which is this oh, bioluminescent, cool. there's these organisms in the water and the whole thing glows and it's very cool. And I did not think that we were going to be able to do it because you go out on these kayaks and clearly not safe with a child, <laughs> the baby. Um, and then we found out you could go out on a, a boat. They had like a um, pontoon boat you could go out on and everyone like one of those party kind of things. So I was like, oh, that's so awesome. It, you know, it starts at six. It'll be a little bit past her bedtime. And... Um, when we were getting ready to leave the hotel to go out on this thing, um, she just started to lose her shiz a little Aww. bit. And I had that moment of, this might not be the best idea. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and I didn't listen to it, and we went anyway, and it was brutal. <laughs> and on it, a it was boat. on a pontoon. Oh, I think boat. that's a song. And then <laughs> during, during witching hour, on a the, and oh by the goodness. way, the moon was out. The tour guide company did not tell us that there was not going to be very many organisms out or be able to be seen Wait, because were there the moon other was guests out. too. There were twenty people on so this you boat. You ruined other people's. I ruined other people. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, there was there was <laughs> there was a moment on the boat where they're like. They, obviously, they were very apologetic, saying, like, you know, you can't see as much where the moon is. So the guy was trying to point out, you know, facts about the bay and, you know, all this kind of science crap. And he had this pointer <laughs> that he was, like, pointing to the stars, which, you know, on another day by myself, I would have been very interested in. But he, he says, now, I just want you to close your eyes and listen to the sounds on the bay because there was all the crickets and everything. And Magnolia is losing her mind screaming. Oh and I just felt I'm ruining this experience for everybody. Um, so I ended up getting her to, like, quiet down. I fed her and then I, you know, got her to fall asleep on on my shoulder. And then we got home after the 20-minute longest bumpy back road oh. ride in a school bus with no seatbelts. <laughs> with no seatbelts. Um, and, I, you know, when I got home and I realized, like, you really have to ask yourself the question when you're deciding to go do something like that. Like, like that. Yeah. Is this for the better good of everyone? That's a like, great, it, great is question. It, if, it, if it's going to really, um, you know, help everyone out and be a good thing for everyone, even if maybe it's not the greatest specifically for the child, maybe it might be worth it. But if it's not, if everyone's going to be affected poorly by this, yeah. you know, if she goes downhill and whatnot. And I, it made me feel really guilty because I just felt like I, I thought about what I wanted before I thought about what, she, what was best so for her. But it's so frustrating because sometimes you know what they would love and they just won't get on board. Yeah. Like I was trying to take her to, <laughs> so um, I was taking her to the farmer's market on Sunday morning and I, and she was tired and I have a new little stroller for her, an umbrella, umbrella stroller, and she didn't want to get in it. And so then I'm like, okay, well I'll carry her from the parking lot a couple right. blocks. But then she got really heavy and I really wanted her to be in the stroller and she's um, decided that she's super independent and she's like a 40 year old woman except she just she can't <laughs> walk that long like she, but she thinks she can't right so she starts throwing a fit with the stroller and everyone's walking past me and then you feel like a bad I felt like a bad mom because like she's doing the arched back thing and I just want to be like get in your stroller because you're gonna <laughs> love seeing the doggies and the flowers and I'll get you a balloon if you just like just right do it yeah she wouldn't of course this like hippy dippy woman comes up and she like puts her hands on the stroller to like help me so now I've got like an audience oh god and I couldn't do it and I was like you know what I'm just gonna pull the ripcord like fine we're going home like we're not going to do this and it was hard for me because I wanted to like That's punish so her hard right yeah because I also wanted to be like see now we didn't get to do this mm -hmm. but I didn't do it but it was such a bummer because we were just so close to her having an awesome time but like she wasn't willing to um to do it and so then it's like okay fine and she was fine like she didn't care it's yeah. also like so it's also what my ideas are of what she will what, like what your what, what your story is what the story you're telling Hillary and I talk so have true. talked a million times after the loss of our parents about part of the hardest the hardest part of losing your parents besides the fact that you've you miss them so terribly and they're not here anymore is the acceptance mm -hmm. and death is one of those things where there's <laughs> no changing it clearly they're not coming back they're gone and to accept something so finite because really in life there's not things that are that finite you always there's always in your brain the possibility of you know if you didn't get that job you think well maybe it'll still yeah. come around but like when someone dies that's it and for your brain to do that leap to accept that that truth is one of the hardest parts and I always would say to Hillary that it's it just is what it is, it, and that's such a it's such a simple, stupid saying. Um, but if you actually think about what that means, what that means, and I and I feel like as a parent, you you realize like it's just your idea was this is going to be great for her to see the doggies mm -hmm. and everything from the stroller, but that's not what it was going to be. No, and then when you just said mm -hmm. that, I got chills because at, so we ended up going to like the little. Um, deli down the street from our house and I picked up breakfast for Adam instead and when we were there and I'm letting her sort of roam around yeah. and she's like checking out the beer and she finds a beer that has like a cat on it but I'm just trying to be like loose about it like let yeah. her she's trying to explore and no one's going to step on her like it's fine and there was a man standing there 
And he asked if she was two years old. And I was like, no, she's 15 months. And then later he goes, oh, you know, have you been doing like early childhood development? I'm like, no. I'm like, but I have this podcast and it's really fun and we're trying to figure it out on the fly. And and he gave me his card and he had he had developed this like children's program online. And it's so weird because I feel like I'm going to end up meeting up with him again and so See that's like a, such that? a strange thing yeah. it's like I didn't get to do that I the thing that I thought we were go, you know that I wanted to do with her and instead sort of this other person like kind of just came into our life it's not wild I don't know we'll see what happens he could be a stalker but I think he just <laughs> sold his company to Microsoft and moved from Palo Alto so maybe see, it's legit oh that sounds <laughs> well I was gonna say that about the infertility anytime it's a good time to think about restocking fresh start with the new year anytime you get that especially if you're like me and your crazy type a the vice grip on i'm gonna make this happen vice like having yep. having children especially really vice grip not so helpful with the zen of just bring me the child namaste attitude but anyway when i couldn't get pregnant and it didn't work out time and again i was at the best clinic though and this and that it has to be this i kind of listen to my gut which I try to do in these kind of situations and I ended up switching doctors and kind of you know taking a turn and I think anything in life but especially this stuff don't be afraid to try something new try something different you know maybe you think this is the path you're on but maybe it's it's not and how weird to think like if I hadn't done that where would I be now I don't I don't know but uh, for me it was it was taking a step back and saying it's going to be okay whatever happens and B was there for my crazy moments when, you know, I thought it wouldn't happen. Even if it, even if it takes, you know, a zillion years like it did for me at the, at the end of the day, it was the right decision for me to kind of step back, uh, go to someone else, slow down, um, maybe not work 80 hours a week and it all turned out for the better. So when you, you do, it's weird when you do your gut check. Is there a particular Mm -hmm. way you do that? Do you go somewhere? Do you go for a walk? Do you, what do you do? That's a good question. Uh, my old therapist, also thanks to B, uh, used to <laughs> look at all this just wealth of knowledge. Uh, used to say, "Why don't uh, for her get out in nature?" I'm like, "Well, that's kind of silly. I live at the beach. I'm always in nature." But no, actually, take stock of where you are and be in the moment. And when what I do is go outside somewhere, and then I kind of have that feeling where I sit down, and you get that kind of oh, might vomit in my mouth feeling, for lack of a better term. Maybe this isn't the right choice, or I get that kind of peaceful feeling. That's kind of how I make decisions which sounds crazy but it's worked no (laughs) and you know what so many people i think especially with all the technology that we have at our disposal so many people confuse getting out in nature with i'm going on a walk with my ipod listening to my podcast which is great if it's our podcast but if you're trying if you're trying to make a decision honestly the best thing and this this amazing therapist that i also worked with um was you know you need to go get as as hippy dippy as it sounds get as in touch with nature as you can so that means kick kick off kick off your kick off your, kick off your shoes mm-hmm. kick off your socks little parts of the country maybe keep those on but but get as grounded as you can in the earth and let yourself feel and the the wind and hear the birds or the you know the breeze or the rain or whatever it is don't numb yourself by getting out because taking a walk with music blaring or whatever is great if you're trying to get a good cardio workout but if you're trying to let your mind and your gut kind of fuse and make help you make a decision it really needs to be quiet and only the sounds of the earth that's so true but um I, I do think for me one of the happiest days was when you and Jay took me for breakfast <laughs> and we sat down. I had no idea. I, I I didn't. I don't know if I even knew that you had tried another time. I don't know, but they told me. Um, how did you tell me? Well, I forget what was, something was going on in your life and you were yammering on about it. On remember? And, on, yes. and I'm like, is she gonna <laughs> shut up so I can tell her? Which was great. It was kind of fitting for us because usually it's like, wait, what's going on with you? Because listen to this. It worked worked out, though. I cried. I just was so, so happy for you. You really, um, you went through so much. And, you know, is there anything that you could share for people who are going through this that that helped you particularly when you were really at your deepest moments of despair? Um, Another one, I remember when people, when it, like the third one, failed and my girlfriend from college called and said well don't worry you know 
you can you can always adopt or you can you know you get a surrogate and at that moment I still wasn't ready to hear that and I remember getting so upset at that point you know anything would upset me but that was so upsetting and I remember now looking back someone told me I, it was actually my dad. Uh, my dad knew I couldn't get pregnant. I didn't want to, of course, tell my mom because I wanted it to be a surprise that I got pregnant. And, of course, that was going to fix everything. Once again, can't fix the universe. But I remember him saying, and he was also, he was a physician. He said, um, time time will take its course. and But what will be, it's kind of what you say, what will be, will be. But he said, to everything there is a turn. That song, turn, turn, mm-hmm. turn. And it's it's going to present itself when it's time and when when i finally kind of like let go of the vice grip things started to kind of work and i realized now when i uh i still get the bill which is fascinating because it's sitting on my desk to pay for those frosties that are still up in the clinic and i can't let myself uh can't let them go yet i mean do as this morning I think everyone was screaming at one point and there were two blowouts and so <laughs> you're wondering Hillary just don't pay the bill Blow anymore but diapers, right? yes <laughs> sorry to be clear yeah. but I I feel like I can't let go of them yet because it's like it's part of this heart and soul that I went yeah. through so even if you've been told like I can't have children or I you I can't you know ever give birth to children there's going to be a way in which you will be a mother and there's so many different versions of that. And so I think that once again, if we can just, it's like the, uh, the secondary infertility, it's very easy to sit and judge like, Oh, you can't get pregnant. That must be so hard. And I had those same women who kind of went through that with me, who now can't get pregnant the Mm -hmm. second time. And one of them said to me recently, my kids aren't going to be 18 months apart. Like it's all ruined. Okay. Why is it all ruined? It's all ruined because your perception of my kids need to be a year and a half apart. I don't, I'm not sure what reason. So they can be on the same swim team. So they can, (laughs) I'm not sure what, so you can have two under two on the plane. I mean, there's, because it seems to be kind of a trend right now to have kids close in age. I can say that I wouldn't have had my kids as close (laughs) in age if I didn't have to, but, uh, there's, it's once again that, but this is how it was supposed to be. And I remember um, when my dad was so sick, I said, Dad, aren't you just, he was the calmest person, kindest person I've ever known. I said, aren't you so angry? He said, but what is there to be angry about? Because this is life. And if you kind of get to that place where, well, it's going to be okay and this is life, maybe I'm only supposed to have one child. Maybe I'm supposed to have two, five years apart. And I have a brother nine years younger, and it's the most amazing thing ever. So for all of you out there who having trouble with a second, we're best friends. It's actually a really cool relationship. Yeah, my brother's nine years younger, He too. is? Yeah, See, half, isn't it my so half great? Brother. Yeah, and our children are the same age. It's so weird. But, you know, you look up at all those Christmas cards people send you. There's not one family. That's the thing. There's so many different beautiful versions of family. There's a beautiful quote by my favorite poet, uh, Rilke, who I quote many, many things from, but it's... Um, I don't know it verbatim, but it's something to the effect of trust in life. Life is in the right always. Mm-hmm. I and I, I think that because in society today, we've this instant gratification of anything you want, you can pretty much have immediately mm-hmm. whenever you want it. We've lost sight of the idea that life knows. Life is ever evolving and moving and changing and pushing us and pulling us. And we resist so much of it. And I think that is, well, I know that is where the extent of our suffering comes from. So and, true. and, you know, it's crazy when you do let go, when you let go of that vice grip, when you trust that life is in the right, when you trust that where you are now is exactly where you're supposed to be. I mean, think about you, Hillary. So think about you wanting so badly to have, to be able to walk in that room with your mother and say, I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. And in that time, you couldn't imagine anyone saying, but Hillary, it's still going to be several years before you're actually going to be pregnant. You would have been like, F you. Right. And now that you've done it this way, can you imagine it happening any other way? No. And obviously, I wish my parents had met my beautiful children. But I see my children. I see my parents through my children, mm-hmm. I should say. And I also see that I'm a, in a much better place to be a mother than I was then. Even... <laughs> Yeah. You know, and that's a hard thing to say or realize. But once you have more self-awareness and you realize, wait, this is the place I'm supposed to be now, you're going to be much more at peace with yourself. I mean, I think that 
another problem, I mean, let's just throw it out there, women who can't get pregnant or can't get pregnant the second time, a lot of it is women kind of competing with other women, even their friends, which makes me so sad. Like when you said that, of course, I was so happy for you because my old boss used to always say, it's like one of my favorite quotes, um, compete with yourself and you'll be in a class of all your own. Your biggest person getting in your way is yourself. So if you just step out of your own way and live your best life, it doesn't matter if your best friend has 17 houses or 17 children. That's not your story. If you live your best life, you're going to be completely happy. But you have to choose to be happy. You have to choose. And and these days, with my favorite topic to talk about, Instagram. Oh my god! Uh, I love that quote. I love that quote. That's like you're comparing yourself to everybody else's uh, perfect moment. Per- perfect yeah. moments to to their um, what what what's the expression though? And they say like to their um, to their trailer, not their trailer. I don't know. I'll have to find it and put it oh. up. But it's like you can't compete with with these captures that are like highlighting the, the most amazing parts of everybody's life. You're oh, not. Yeah. And you're we not all s- do it. Exactly. You're not seeing them waking up at three in the morning with the child who is sick and puking. And you know, it's like you it's don't so see true. that. Um, and everything we're not seeing good. you on the boat when no, twenty other people <laughs> are <laughs> giving you the stink eye for ruining so their true. moment with the baby. And we and, and Hillary and I always say pain is personal. That mm-hmm. to judge other people and to think, well, they have it better or mm-hmm. I have it better or you know. Um, it seems like we're always qualifying why we're different instead of looking for all the reasons why we're the same. So true. And, um, you know, nobody has it any better or worse than anybody else. It's all relative. Well, uh. some people have it worse. <laughs> right? I mean, I feel no, like, I, feel like have I have a worse. need to say that. I feel like I need to say that some people really do have it worse out there. They do. My point, they, but my point is, right. that, is that you don't... This is kind of a hard concept sometimes for people to wrap their their head around. But it's like it's like the people that are in the poorest village, you know, in South Africa, who are the happiest people in the world. You know, it's it's in relation to how you see it and how you view it. And there are a lot of people who have a lot of money, and and people would think like, well, they're fine. They they're no, doing they're great, and they're but miserable. they're miserable. They are. Miserable. And so yeah. yes, are there people that have their circumstances are crap, and they have this horrible circumstances to deal with? Yes, but they actually might be better off mentally and spiritually than somebody who has everything in the world. Um, you know, and that's why, it, and, and also it's just the way you look at it. I think, you know, you can, your attitude and the way that you approach things. Um, that's so, I, that's, I totally agree with that. I feel like, but, it, but I wanted to put that out there. No, I think, does, no, that's fair. It's think, a great point. I, I'm not saying yes. No, I know. And I know you're not. That's why yeah. I just wanted to put that out there and make everyone really uncomfortable. No, it's okay. good though. Um, do you, I, when you talk about the instant gratification, like that, that we're in that period of time. Um, Also, this with the vice script, though, the this need to succeed. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you're a published author, like you had a very, um, you mentioned you were working 80 hours a week at one point. And so uh, some of that vice script worked for you, right? Like definitely, you got where you are because you worked super hard, right? So how, so how, I know, how do you well, balance I always, that? I always, I always talk about like, you know, you go to yoga, <laughs> who's in yoga. It's like all the type A vice grippers, right? I mean, yes. like they're there 15 minutes, they get their spot two to the left. And I used to think like, I was the lady who went to yoga and left before Shavasana. Cause I'm like, well, this is a waste of time. Like, I don't need to lie here. I finally got to a place where over a lot of years and a lot of, um, good therapy, which was, I can, I can have these, now I try to use the word like goal setting. I can have these goals, but then I can also take four hours off in the afternoon and play with my kids or meet B for lunch. Cause I haven't seen her for a month and that's okay. I'm much better than I was probably when I met you at kind of balancing those things because I realized like it's, you know, it's one life. Like the, the moment you, you realize this is the only time you have, you, le- you get rid of all the self-doubt because all the self-doubt is kind of what I was wasting time on. Like I'm just going to be in the office for 12 hours a day because then I'm better. No, I'm not. Better to who? Yeah. There's no prize. So like I really changed kind of my whole outlook on that. When I'm working, I work really hard. When I'm not, yeah, my Instagram feed's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. Well, and and I think a huge part of all of this is is knowing what kind of parent you're best at being. Mm-hmm. And and if you're somebody that's such a good point, B. If you're somebody who is better as a parent when you're working a 40-hour week, then great. great. Yeah. Find the best mm-hmm. possible nanny mm-hmm. that can take care of your kids, that can provide them, you know, with the love and the compassion when you're not around and then when you are there, you're the best person that you can be. There's right. nothing wrong with that. It's so that's true. And if you want to stay home with your kids all the time, and you want to focus 110% and you have that ability to, that's also awesome. Yes. But the guilt that we like hit each other over the head with, or yeah. I, f- I feel like moms are hardest on moms or women are hardest on women. So they the are. minute you can step away from that and... And some of us should not be competing so much with ourselves I too. Know. It's funny because you say like That's compete it, with yourself, both sides, but, right? but I'm, I'm so competitive with myself and it's like, oh my God, just stop it. Yeah, just... <laughs> Relax Get, a little I mean, bit. Have you read Untethered Soul? No. Oh my gosh, you have to read Untethered Soul. But I always soul. talk about being untethered. Well, then, like, then you will really be untethered because you get rid of the voices in your head. You realize it's this voice talking to you all the time yeah. and it's you. Well, that's amazing because uh, <laughs> the voices in my head are a tribunal of assholes. So good. Get rid of the assholes. Oh my Let gosh. it go. Tribunal oh. of assholes. My dear Hillary. Oh my Wait, I have one more oh, question. Yes. Do you have another question? No, go. Okay, go. I, before we transition, I have a hard time with transitions. I was telling Bianca earlier and obviously my <laughs> daughter the hard time transitions now too i have a really important question though okay if you have a friend who's going through this you said that you didn't like what your sister said or that that triggered you and was super upsetting what the hell do i say no and i think that's such a it's it's a big point with grief too we don't know we're not taught about say i'm here for if you want to talk about it if you don't want to talk about it i get that too i under this is a big one that's always really helped me i understand that i can't know what you're going through so good because especially here you are sitting with your beautiful daughter and yeah they probably are a little pissed off you know or jealous and that's a horrible feeling yeah. I mean I feel like I haven't been jealous in years because now I realize like this is this is where I am but a lot of people don't know what to say and oh when when you come out with it well maybe like you shouldn't have a latte every day or some <gasps> ridiculous like ah, that has no basis in anything but we all are just maybe caffeine's bad maybe the wine's bad just if you want to talk talk but I know that I can't understand what you're going through. I think it helps because I think it's such a lonely journey. And then at least they feel like you're there if they want to. That's beautiful because they're just trying to fix it. They're just and trying they to can't. fix it. Yeah. And, and you know, nothing's worse than when you're going through something really bad and people pretend that they, they know uh-huh. what yeah. it feels like. Because, man, I remember <sighs> Hillary's mom and dad both passed first and then my dad passed. And what right. was the first thing that I came to oh you and gosh. said? I'll never forget that moment. I was sitting in the car and it was pouring rain. Oh my gosh, I didn't get it. I, I just apologized to her. I said, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't realize. I didn't know how awful and horrible it was because I feel like with any, understand. with any great loss, whether it be, you know, a, a parent, a friend, a whatever child, it whatever it is, you know, people expect that after a month or so, why aren't you? It's mm-hmm. over. Why aren't yeah. you back? Why aren't you back to? And it's, listen, for me, the real the reality of it didn't hit until five months after Ugh, he passed. Mm-hmm. So awful. Um, I and so I feel I, like that happens for a lot of mm-hmm. people, yeah. right? I mean, it's, especially so. the people with the vice grip. We just yeah. keep going. We keep going, and yeah. they keep pushing slams. forward. Yeah. Um, I hope that you will come back and join us because I feel like this uh, is so much fun. I feel like it is. It's a lot of fun. It's it's like girls just chatting it's and just hanging chatting. out. <laughs> um, but you know, I think you have so much to offer um, because I, I feel like this is something that's not talked about enough and. Anybody out there who, um, you know, would love to ha- have questions for Hillary, um, feel free to hit us up on our Twitter, um, at Atomic Moms, um, or on our Facebook page, Atomic Moms. Um, you can and Instagram. Instagram, but Instagram, we pretty much just post pictures of goodness and greatness. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, what's your uh, mom's session, oh Ellie? Oh, my gosh. Okay, my mom's session. Well, when you're in nature... And uh, you're not interested in actually getting in touch with yourself, and you've already listened to our podcast for the week. Download um, Amy Poehler's Yes, Please. Um, she reads it. I want you to download it and listen to it on Audible because she okay. reads it, and she has her parents read sections too, and she has friends read sections. How awesome and is that? And it seems like a little party um, in a sound booth. And what's great about it, she talks a lot about the business. But she also talks a lot about parenting. And it's so funny and fun to listen to her talk about sort of the mommy wars and talk about she does a hilarious thing where she 
does what her birth plan is for the hospital. But it's so outrageous. And it's like, who, who's allowed to come into the hospital? What she wants? What? And it's like also outrageous, like just sort of making fun of, you know, parenting and, and that part of it. And it's so, there are so many moments where you're like, oh, I'm so glad someone's finally writing this. It's a really yeah. fun read. Fun. Yes, please. Amy Poehler. It's super positive, too. Love it. That's always a good thing. Um, my mom bomb for today, uh, heading into a new year, I think this goes hand in hand with a lot of what we talked about today. It's from this book that I read when I was pregnant, which I just, I, I didn't read a lot of things that were uh, explanatory about pregnancy or anything because I didn't want to freak myself out. But I did read this, which was Mama Zen Walking the Crooked Path of Motherhood. Um it's a gorgeous book. You should read it whether you're pregnant or um, uh, already have kids. Um, and she says, when you go into labor, you see that you are not the captain of the ship. You are the ship. There is no captain. There are only waves. Ooh, <laughs> and, love. I, you know, and I think that can be applied to not just labor, but parenthood as a whole and IVF and, 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 and everything you are there is no captain there is no captain you are the ship and uh, and the there are part of that freaks me out <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> but it's beautiful um, yeah and and you know and I think that that's also in line with what we were saying about life and just trusting trusting the flow go with it Thank you, Hillary, for being such an amazing gift. Thank and you and for an having even me. better friend. And to all our lovely listeners out there, remember to trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, and rock on, Atomic Moms. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny and I love you a few days ago Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and 3 comments thumbs up Brooke Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.